Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Serie A fan, less than three weeks to kick off. In this pre-season episode, we introduce the crew, announce Sandro Tonali, and discuss all the other comings and goings at Italy's big clubs. Pirlo in at Juve, Conte still at Inter, and the league is up for sale. All this plus a guided tour through Serie A's American history in our inaugural episode of Scudetto. Hi there and welcome to the first ever episode of Scudetto, the weekly Italian football podcast. I'm Oscar, and as the least Italian person on this podcast, I'm going to be asking most of the questions. Just quickly on me, I first took an interest in Serie A when my dad bought me a Roma Battistuta shirt. Um, I checked with him, and the holiday was in September of 2000, so it was just before his first season. But as Kenny likes to point out, uh, like Ronald McDonald, I am a plastic gelarosso. <laughs> and so we'll go on to you, Kenny. Um, I've given you my backstory. And we're going to start off with a challenge for you. And oh, Baz. no hellos. Um, no, no hellos, just All straight right. into the challenge. We're that kind um, of podcast. It's that kind of podcast. I feel like a game show host. <laughs> um, so in 30 seconds or less, All right. um, please me... give us your Italian football credentials. I'll give you... Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I've got my notes in front of me and everything. I, I'm prepared for this, unlike other uh, other panellists. Yeah, I'm going to actually time this. So uh, your time starts now. Spent 11 years growing up in Italy. Uh, first football memories are Sacchi's Milan winning the 89 European Cup, uh, driving to Genova to watch Scotland at Italia 90. Childhood Atalanta fan in the days of Morfeo, Gans, Lentini, Inzaghi, Vieri. Moved to London, trained to become a sports journalist, became a financial journalist, uh, went to Trafalgar Square when Italy won the 2006 World Cup just to be swept up in the celebrations. Uh, firmly believe Ancelotti's Milan side, Milan side should have won twice as many Champions League. Will always Stop. be in love with Andrea Pirlo. I'll let you go over just for that. Um, and just before we give Baz the opportunity to outdo you on that. I'm not sure I can, I can follow that up. <laughs> I know you've tweeted out a picture of it to all of our followers, but just tell us what beverage you've selected for this evening's recording. Yeah, I am drinking a Saucery Session IPA, and it is by the Magic Rock Brewing Company, or Magic Rock Brewing. It's all right. It's nice. It's quite nice. What are you drinking, Oscar? Yeah, you've done better than me. Um, so I'm in Helsinki at the moment, and I've been struggling a little bit getting hold of craft beer. I uh, had a work meeting last week, and I asked the guy that I met where, I, where to go. He pointed out this microbrewery to me, so made my way down there today. Unfortunately, it's closed on Mondays. Oh. Um, so it was straight down the supermarket. I picked up a, a sort of standard industrial finished lager. It's called a kahu, which means bear. But it's, it's a pretty cool can. I'll show you it on the webcam here. And there's a picture of it on our Twitter. That is a pretty cool can, yeah. yeah. 
so how about you, Baz? Um, what are you drinking first? And then we'll, we'll give you an opportunity. I'm drinking a Malka IPA. It's a local brewery and it's a very nice beer, about 6%. So I think you guys think it's quite strong. 6% is quite strong. 6.2. For an IPA, I'd it's strong on my radar. It's not a session, anyway. <laughs> it's a heavy session. Um, okay, Buzz, are you ready for your challenge? Okay. As I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna follow up what Kenny did. I'm just gonna give you the briefest of intros. But let's go okay. for it. Good stuff. And your time starts now. Um, I grew up in Italy. I've been an AC Milan fan for as long as I can remember. For some reason, my dad chose Milan over Inter. Fortunately for us, my first ever game was Milan versus Vitosha Sofia on the 6th of October, 1988. Milan won 5-2 and my dad famously didn't see any of the goals because he took my brother and I. Since then, I, we were season ticket holders for about 15 years, including for about three years when I was living in London and flying back on EasyJet every other weekend. Other than that, I witnessed Milan winning the Champions League versus Juventus, which is still the best football game I've ever been to. And that's a uh, very good day. You actually went over time. I'd muted my microphone so you didn't hear me the whole time. <laughs> but it was about 35 seconds. Um, and I don't believe you didn't prepare that. Anyway, um, on to the football. Um, so we were having a bit of a discussion about uh, what should make it on this uh, preview episode. Obviously, we've seen Gianpaolo and Linetti to Torino, Miranchuk to Atlanta, Osimhen in like a rocket at Napoli. Liverani to Parma, Pedro to Roma, and David Silva washing his hands of Lazio, and many other stories. As an introductory te- as it is an introductory teaser, we do need to stick to just a few key talking points. So we're talk- going to start off by talking with the second most talked about transfer of this summer. Relegated Brescia's Sandro Tonali appears to be on his way to Milan. Um, so I'll let you take this one, Baz. Can you talk us through the saga? And uh, secondly, how happy are you about this news? So first of all, I have to say that um, I won't be happy about the news until I don't see the guy with a Milan shirt on. Um, I've been stung in the past too many times. Uh, Patrick Clivert comes to mind, um, and he actually signed. Um, but a few si- a few players that showed up and w- that were supposed to show up and w- didn't in the end. With regards to Tonali, he was, uh, by all accounts, supposed to sign for Inter. They had made the first moves for him all the way back in March. And um, myself and I guess most of uh, Milan fans had kind of resigned themselves to seeing a lifelong Milan fan play for our city rivals. But in the past 48 hours, uh, Milan's interest has intensified, uh, apparently due to Paolo Maldini uh, himself sliding in like he did in the good old days. It looks like the deal is all but secured, which is a fantastic statement from Milan as a club, but also, I guess it shows that they were able to sell him onto a a project, so to speak. Yeah, we've seen some high praise uh, for Tonali. I was just going to ask you, Kenny, how good do you think he is um, and how do you think he's going to fit in at Milan? Assuming that he does, of course, end up there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, um, I don't think you need to take... uh, views of mine on it i mean you can you can ask uh, pirlo or you can ask uh, francesco totti and uh, they they'll tell you exactly how excited everyone in italy is about this guy i've uh, I, I saw him a handful of times early on uh, last season and uh, was completely completely struck by how good he is i mean he's 
he's an, a very elegant footballer. His set-piece ability and passing ability are are reminiscent of Pirlo. I know that Pirlo is a bit of a lazy um, equivalence to, to make, but uh, along with that, he's got the dynamism and the energy of uh, a Gennarino Gattuso, who apparently was his... Uh, was his idol when he was when he was growing up. I, I think he's a I think he's a great player. I did just want to add on what um on what Boaz said that there is an element of uh Inter having withdrawn that some reporters are well quite a lot of reporters are, are saying it looks like to be honest, it looks like they just didn't have the money to to sign Tonali and um some of Conte's targets. But coming back to what what Boaz said about Maldini, just more broadly, like uh, what what a job he's doing, really. Uh, similar stories about him getting on the phone to to Theo Hernandez, the fact that he's convinced Zlatan to to commit himself for for longer, and uh, yeah, to think that he almost wouldn't have been at Milan if the the Ragnik revolution had happened. I'm pleased you mentioned Conte, uh, Kenny. I know it's your favourite subject. And, um, <laughs> although it is obviously fair to say Milan looking like real contenders. They're not the only team in the city that have big ambitions this year. But anyone who hasn't been following Conte's mood swings as closely as you have, Kenny, maybe you could just briefly summarise what's going on there. Why did everyone think he was leaving? Why is he now staying? And um, what, what does it mean for Inter? Well, um, so... But again, this is, has been wide, widely reported in uh, the the Italian press and widely discussed on on Twitter as well. To to put it briefly, he he's had a lot of meltdowns throughout the uh, <laughs> throughout the last season, um, and yeah, it kind of all came to a head after the Atalanta game when it should have been you know pretty much job done. He wasn't expected to win the league, uh, Inter, but they finished second, one point behind Juve. That should have been cause for you know. A bit of patting on the back, um, but instead he he had a meltdown, saying that uh, basically implying that the, the directors hadn't supported him enough, uh, sort of publicly in the press. Um, a few other stories have kind of come to light about what could have been behind that, uh, but it seems like he's been given assurances that he'll be allowed to bring in who he wants this summer, and it sounds like. They're happy to happy to keep him on, basically, on the understanding that there will be no more of these of these outbursts. Yeah, well, we look forward to covering them throughout the season. Um, not a lot of time to to discuss in any more details transfer policy this week. But Bias, quick point to you. It it just seems like uh, Conte has uh, decided to go for short term success over long term strategy. The players they're looking to sign or rumored to be signing are. Arturo Vidal, um, there's also Indombele from the Spurs, and also um, they're looking, they're also trying to sell, um, possibly sell Brozovic or Skinner so that to make some money. It's again, it's, uh, I'm sure if, if they end up winning the league, the Inter fans will be delighted, but um, it's kind of, it's very short term mentality. Quick reaction. Yeah, I mean, I would like to jump in on that very, very quickly and sorry because I know that we're about to run over time. Uh, for for this part one, but the, the first thing that, that I wanted to highlight was that Inter have just signed Hakimi for forty million euros from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, so, you know, it's not like they're short of uh, sort of youth. And also on their books, they do have uh, Lautaro's twenty three, Bastoni's twenty one, Lukaku's still only twenty seven. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not like the, there is no youth there. 
And despite uh, Conte being quite critical of them, I think both Sensi and Barella are fantastic midfielders on a level with Tonali. So um, Inter Agreed. do have Inter do have two future um, Azzurri in their lineup for a long, long time. Yeah, but I do think that the buck stops with him this year. He's 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 basically taken charge of the signings, and now he's got no one to he's got no one to blame if Inter don't uh, win the Scudetto. And anything less than that really will be failure, given the profile of the players he's targeting. Look forward to uh, hearing your thoughts on Conte's press conferences uh, on a regular basis this season, Penny. (laughs) (laughs) A quick uh, honourable mention from you, Baz, and then we'll wrap part one up, I think. Last year's uh, Golden Boot winner and uh, fantastic, uh, following a fantastic season, Immobile has signed a new five-year deal with Lazio, which should take him, should see him finish his career there. I think it's a just reward for what he's done in the past season and the season before. And he's a nice guy as well, so it's it's good to see that. And a dishonorable mention to the uh, free Atalanta players that tested positive for coronavirus. Um, we understand they're all asymptomatic and in quarantine, but obviously bad news. Um, that brings us to the end of part one. After the break, we're going to talk about Pierlo's Juve and the race to buy a stake in Serie A. We'll be right back. Hello, Serie A fan. Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite listening platform, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Hello and welcome to part two. Uh, first on the agenda for this part of the show is Juventus. Um, as our listeners will no doubt be aware, Maurizio Sarri was sacked after Juve's Champions League exit to Lyon at the end of last season and replaced the very next morning by none other than Andrea Pirlo. But as I know that you like to think of Pirlo as one of your own at Milan. How do you feel about him taking the Juventus job? So I have to admit that it still kind of stings to know that uh, Milan let uh, Pirlo go to Juventus, uh, ostensibly because of Max Allegri, who then quickly joined him at Juventus the next season. Nonetheless, it is uh, kind of a glamorous appointment and something that I think will raise the interest in Serie A across the world. The beauty of the appointment is simply that nobody knows how Pirlo is going to play. Nobody knows how the team will react so there's this unknown factor that is uh, kind of kind of charming. Um, I'm sure fans of other clubs will kind of be thinking, oh, there's a door open for us here. Whereas fans of Juventus will be like, this is our Pep Guardiola for the next five, ten years. Uh, what are you expecting from Pelo sort of in general, Kenny? Yeah, well, like Boaz said, I've genuinely, genuinely got no idea of what to expect. And to be honest, no, no one can because he was supposed to come in and uh, manage the... Uh, one of the youth teams, uh, but that got accelerated. So no one knows what uh, Pirlo, the manager, is from his press conferences. Uh, from what he's he's told the press, it seems like he wants to play a very attractive style of football, high press, etc. Very modern European. So very excited to see that. But the one thing that I will say is that he's he's played under some some Italy's, if not Europe's. Uh, top managers he's he's played under uh, Conte Allegri Ancelotti Marcello Lippi Marcello Lippi so yeah gen- genuinely excited to see to see how he does yeah it's definitely a challenging project that he's taken on um, a squad which is in need of some rejuvenation uh, probably to say the least um, so uh, how's he sort of approached the project uh, from what we've seen of it so far 
The process of rejuvenation probably started slightly before Pirlo was announced with the signing of uh, Artur and um, also the signing of uh, Kuluzevsky, who was, had an outstanding season last year. They've gone and added uh, McKinney to that list right now, which is a, a very interesting signing from Juventus. And he's also 22, which gives them a very young looking side considering that they were one of the oldest teams in the league last year that's a, a fine turnaround in less than a few weeks yeah, the the oldest um and yeah i mean i'm genuinely excited to see what uh Kulusevsky does because he was absolutely sensational for for parma last season the the best young player in in syria he's apparently uh, according to again according to reports he's apparently expected to to deputize for Dybala in a sort of mezzala or trequartista role um, or play as a as a right midfielder in a 3-4-3 so um yeah it'll be interesting to see i know at parma he had s- slightly more of a sort of a attacking role at times but uh, he kind of played all over the place at, at, at parma in many attacking positions but yeah, to echo what Boaz said, their their midfield in particular looks uh, very youthful now. I think uh, Arthur Bentancur, Rabio, McKenny—they're all guys who are in their earlier mid twenties. If I can add some more about McKenny, he's going to be the eighth American player to play in Italy, which is not a lot. It's a, clearly a path that's not quite so travelled. Uh, the first one that I could see was a guy called Alfonso Negro, who was born in Brooklyn, but he ended up playing for Italy and also won the Olympics in 1936 with Italy. So he's, yeah, he's American, but he's Italian. There's also a, a guy called Armando Frigo, who played for Fiorentina, and uh, famously he joined the Partisans and was killed by the Nazis in 1943. And later it was discovered that he had his Fiorentina membership card in his pocket. After that, there was uh, a long, long gap. And the next guy is an uh, all-time Serie A legend, Alexi Lalas, who rocked <laughs> up with his sandals, his acoustic guitar, and his grunge, uh, grunge look. Played one season. King of the Gingers. King of the Gingers. He played uh, that one season for Padova, pretty much smashed every <laughs> attacker that came around <laughs> him, and then went back to MLS. I loved Alexi Lalas. And uh, the rest of the American players are slightly more... Uh, Recent, there's uh, Giuseppe Rossi, who um, also played for Manchester United, and uh, he had a. Unfortunately, it had he's a, had a very injury-filled season, but uh, very useful player. There was uh, Michael Bradley, who played for Chievo and Roma, did very well, but uh, ended up signing a very big contract with Toronto towards the end of his career. And there is uh, Oguchi Onyo, who's um, biggest claim to fame was that Zlatan Ibrahimovic judo chopped him in the head <laughs> as he did um during training yeah and uh the the last one apart from McKinney was a guy called Joshua Perez who signed for Fiorentina but uh, only ended up playing one game for them before going out on loan to Livorno so um <clears throat> again McKinney's uh coming to Juventus it's got to be said it's the with the exception of Pulisic he's probably the this is the highest profile transfer for an American player and um, you have to say that you know without no slide to Chelsea but Juventus are kind of like the old school clubs they're not new money so I think uh, it, it shows what the player McKinney mm. could be thanks for that uh, Serie A tour <laughs> for Americana buzz that's some solid <laughs> research there there's some good research Wikipedia so. is your friend <laughs> what our listeners have come to expect from this podcast um, but yeah best of luck Pirlo obviously um 
it's it's a challenging job. Juventus, if you you can win the Scudetto, gets the quarterfinal of the Champions League, and uh, lose your job for underachieving. So, yeah, I think Boaz had a quote from Gattuso on this, didn't he? Yeah, what what were Gattuso's words of encouragement for Pirlo when he took the job again, Boaz? Gattuso was um, surprisingly um, realistic when his mate uh, Pirlo was was appointed. He uh, he said, uh, well, now he's in trouble, basically, and then went on to say, this is a job where you don't sleep at night, where you constantly have to study. And if only if you were a great player, you need to become you need to learn how to be a normal player so that you can manage the great players. So um, cheers, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for the backup. Well, best of luck to him all the same. Um, and final talking point, just time to talk a bit of business. Uh, it's been widely reported in the last couple of weeks that Serie A is up for sale, or at least um, that the league is offering investors the opportunity to own a 10% stake in the league. Uh, according to reports, several private equity firms were expected to submit bids by last Tuesday, I think it was, still no news. Mm-hmm. Kenny and I actually used to work together covering private equity. We could probably uh, talk about this at length and bore you all. Let's do our best not to do that, Kenny, but just very yeah, briefly. <laughs> what is a private equity firm? Why are they trying to invest in Serie A at the moment? Oh, right. What, what is private equity? Uh, the very, very short answer to that is that they are firms basically that invest in short to medium term uh, investments in companies in order to, to make a profit. Uh, they have a lot of people who invest in funds. They take those funds. They try to make the most money out of them within a specific time frame. So you can expect the private equity ownership period to be sort of anywhere between, it used to be sort of uh, anywhere between three to six years, but that's that's crept up, especially with CVC, one of the names uh, linked with, uh, or, or the, the front runners allegedly, um, who also had, yeah, if you want to see what their track record's like, just look and see what they did with Formula One. Yeah, exactly. It was highlight that as well they made a lot of money on formula one and they're also investing in rugby in the yeah. english premier league or reportedly actually don't know if that's confirmed and this kind of follows the trend of american investment in um in italy in Serie a as a whole you have of course uh, milan and rome roma owned by uh, american firms um, and fiorentina fiorentina as well and uh, right now roma are closing the freaking deals <laughs> You have to say that uh, with this, this new, these new ownerships, they've, they've also brought uh, kind of a new professionalism and kind of a slightly more modern approach to both business, but also the way the, the clubs present themselves to the world. Yeah, and I think it's no surprise really that people who are looking to invest to make money, they used to say that it was investments in football were just glamour investments, but that's very much not the case. And I can totally understand why people see Serie as a, a good uh, proposition because uh, it is still a hugely follow, widely followed followed league. Um, the, there are loads of developments that have been happening. We've got to, the most visible one is that there have been all these regulation changes making it easier for clubs to own their own, their own stadiums. And those are at the heart of a lot of these uh, projects that, that Boaz has has mentioned, but also you've got the prospect of collectivizing the TV rights, which is what supposedly is the, the aim of these buyers of Serie A to create a media company um, and market them much more powerfully as a whole. 
rather than each club individually selling them. And finally, these tax changes that were brought in, um, that have been brought in relatively recently, um, that allow international players, uh, and I, I think it's specifically on their commercial rights, to pay a flat rate of tax. And this is probably behind the, the reason that a lot of big name players are now considering Serie A. Yeah, having said all that, I do think at this time it's an exceptionally challenging investment. Uh, you speak to people in the, the kind of M&A industry, the opinion that investing in football is always quite risky, especially in the current climate, the, yeah. the revenue streams that you can normally count on, not all guaranteed at all. Um, definitely one to keep an eye on, but I think it's going to take someone pretty brave. Yeah. And let's not forget that the two greatest players in the world at the moment are going to be lining up for in Serie A come September when Inter inevitably sign Leo Messi. No, no way. Messi's going to City. Well, he was going to Napoli. He's going to Napoli. I want him to go to Napoli. This is the narrative we have to push. The, he's going to Napoli to emulate Diego. <laughs> this is our, we're, hashtag Messi to Napoli. This is our, we'll do anything for this to happen. Please let it happen. Okay, well, one to keep an eye on anyway. Um, <laughs> Kenny, I think you had an honourable mention before we wrap this one up. I have a really, really quick honourable mention. Uh, I kind of realised when you used your honourable mention in the, the last part that I should have saved it for part one, really. Um, but yeah, for, for Lokomotiv Moscow, who posted a lovely video montage of uh, Alexei Miranchuk, um, it was really sort of melancholic music in the background and quotes from the player, slow-mo match action, um, wishing him well after his 15 million euro move to, to Atalanta. And he's been at the club since he was 15 years old. So it was just, yeah, really nice, classy touch for them. And by the way, from, from that footage, he, he looks like quite the player. Great. Um, I'm afraid that is all that we've got time for this week. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, ScudettoPod. We'll be back with another preseason pod next week. Until then, enjoy all of the football-related drama and transfer talk, and we will speak to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market